As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Just talk about your mindset on the offensive end tonight uh, in this game. It was a total team effort. Uh, you know, that's what it's going to take every single night. we got to get our defense in order. The last few games, we've been giving up a lot of points. So we want to buckle down on there uh, on the defensive end and just continue to will ourselves to wins. Good morning and welcome to the Daily Ding. Happy Wednesday morning, folks. We're going to catch you up on all the NBA action from Tuesday night on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Mo DeKeel, joined by Mike Vorkanoff. We got Andrew Schleck back there doing hitting buttons. He's always hitting buttons, Mike. I don't know what the buttons do, but he's hitting buttons back there. And, and, and you know, hopefully it'll come out great. Folks, don't miss exclusive coverage of the unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save. Go to theathletic.com slash daily ding. You can receive an all-access subscription for just $3.99 a month. We're practically giving this thing away, folks. Coming up on today's show, Fred Van Vliet joins the 50 Club. Boston Celtics take on the Warriors. But first, potential finals preview, Mike. We had the Clippers 120, the Nets 124 in Brooklyn. Crazy game. The Nets get hardened back from a a thigh contusion. The Clippers got Batum back. He missed their game against the Knicks, but no Patrick Beverly. And it was a fantastic game. Clippers went matchup hunting early in the game, kind of kept going. The uh, Kyrie Irving, I don't know, you know, just kind of caught fire. He went ballistic. Clippers struggled to defend him. Within the final seven minutes, the Clippers were up 102-97. The Nets went on a 13-2 run with eight points from Irving. L.A. tried to make a comeback late, cut the lead to one by a uh, corner three by P.G., it wasn't enough, and uh, the Nets came away with a victory. Mike, what did you see in this game? I mean, I was just like blown away watching the the Nets clo- close out the Clippers. Just seeing you know Bo- Harden, Durant, Kyrie all playing together like that offensive firepower. You mentioned Kyrie going off, right? He had thirty nine points. Uh, Kevin Durant, like I don't know, just watching him shoot jumpers over everybody. He was eleven to thirteen from the floor. It's it's just, I don't know, when they get it going and all three of them are playing, it's just beautiful to watch. It makes me think, like, nobody can stop them. It was it was really interesting to watch it because, you know, it for a while there would be times I'd forget that James Harden was on the court, and then you look and it's like, <laughs> oh, 
he had a triple-double, and not like a quiet one. 23 points, 14 assists, and 11 rebounds. Yeah. You're like, ah, yeah, that's a solid night. One thing that was really interesting was the Nets started the game with Jeff Green at center and had put DeAndre Jordan to the bench. And you were kind of saying something before the start of before we started recording the podcast. You know, pretty interesting how far we've come along with the whole DeAndre Jordan saga. Yeah, I mean, like ever since they signed them, you know, I feel like there's been this push and pull for the Nets about DeAndre Jordan starting at center. Jared Allen took the job like Kenny Atkinson almost lost. Did he lose his job because he wouldn't start DeAndre Jordan at center? Right. I mean, it's debated. (laughs) I mean, like the very next game, Jack Ball took over DeAndre's starting and this whole season they trade Jared Allen away. And it seems like no matter how much they try to get DeAndre to start at center, there's Jeff Green starting and playing 30 odd minutes against the Clippers. Yeah, it was it was pretty uh, interesting to see that. I mean, Green's also been great for the Nets team. They're able to spread the floor, play five out when they have him on the court. And it's not like DeAndre Jordan's been terrible in the sense of like he had a good thing going with James Harden, got a couple of lobs from him in the second and third quarters and, 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 and was rolling pretty well. But it, it just kind of makes you wonder, though, like defensively, like, man, you kind of wish you still had Jared Allen, don't you? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that was the whole thing about that trade is, you know, I I get every part of that trade except for throwing in Jared Allen to get a first. I guess they just needed another first to throw to Houston to to finish off the Harden trade. But I I feel like they lost so much by trading Jared Allen away and now having to rely on on DeAndre and Jeff Green and just, you know, the defense in the middle from those two guys. Yeah, and I want to talk a little bit about Steve Nash in this game. This was interesting because, you know, he, he... sort of grew as a coach you know mm-hmm. when I was on the ding it was at, last time I was on the ding was the Washington Brooklyn game so you know there were some mistakes there coaching wise and it was interesting to see him kind of make up for it in this game they when they were up three they fouled Kawhi Leonard to make sure that he didn't get a chance to take a three they you know in a situation after Paul George makes that three he calls a timeout so they could advance the ball instead of inbounding it underneath the rim which is what happened last time they turned the ball over and Westbrook hits that three pretty interesting along those lines what's your take of Nash as a coach so far yeah and don't forget he was cameras caught him kind of pushing Jeff Green to go down the court on that on that leak out uh, inbounds pass too I don't know. You know, it seemed like he was using the first part of the season there to kind of adjust to this whole thing. First time coach, right? Like, I know it's cliche to say, but it probably takes him some reps to figure out what he's doing. It it seems like he's getting better. So at least that's good, right? He's not going to be perfect, I think, uh, right away. But at least you see signs of improvement. And that's good for the Nets because when you're a championship level team, every marginal improvement matters. Every everything that just makes them just like a sliver better is important. And then you know, to have a coach who can do that, it's pretty big. Yeah, and let's look at it from now from the Clippers side of things. You know, Paul George was pretty upset with the officiating. He said in his post-game comments, uh, to only get one free throw was disrespectful. So let me ask you, Mike, should he have gotten more? <laughs> um, I don't know, go to the rim more? I don't know, do things that get you fouls more? I, I don't know. It's, it's always so funny when guys just like ham it up about the refs after the game they're obviously just posturing partially like aggrieved um especially after a loss like that sure it's disrespectful all right we'll we'll go with that yeah so you know he probably should have gotten more than one though i would think but it, it is what it is you just kind of got to go go off of that 
But the bigger issue for me for this team is this wasn't really a great matchup for the Clippers because they just don't score in the paint. And that's really the Nets' weakness. We just talked about how you know they don't have any real big men besides DeAndre Jordan. And if the Clippers can't take them up in the paint, it, it really kind of became a, a struggle for them. And also missing Patrick Beverly. Yeah, I mean, I'd be curious to see uh, how much better that defense is, especially on the perimeter and the point of attack against Kyrie Beverly on the court instead of Reggie Jackson defending him. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to shut down Kyrie. I think that's kind of impossible, but I don't know. Does it save you five points maybe or something like that? You know, I don't know what you think, Mo, but, you know, does Kyrie get shut down a little bit more? Do the Nets just shift their point of attack to, like, Durant and Harden more and try to win the game that way if Beverly's playing? Well, it's just interesting because I think you – the, the Clippers' defense in this game was just kind of bad, and some of the mistakes they were making, Mike, were like, you know, you have Marcus Mor- uh, uh, Marcus Morris helping off the strong side corner, and that was a kickout three. You had Nicholas Batum has Kyrie Irving coming down in transition, and he's sinking into the paint. Like, Irving's just like, okay, I'm going to pull up for a three because, I don't know, I'm on fire tonight. And, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, there were, there were mistakes like that, and I feel like Beverly may not, stop him because you're right I don't think you can really stop Kyrie especially when he has it going but I think he makes it harder he makes you work a little harder and 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 that pushes things a little bit further along and and allows them to wear down and you listen Reggie Jackson can't guard Kyrie I don't know how many people Reggie Jackson can guard so that's that's kind of the the issue there yeah I mean to me it's the Nets are such a bad example of like what would happen just because they have so many amazing scores like Kevin Durant was 11 13 from the field he took 18 shots including free throws he missed two of them right um all right you get Pat Beverly back fine you have Kevin Durant maybe shooting more you have James Harden doing this thing that was the fun thing about that late in that fourth quarter like all three of those guys did their thing you know James Harden had that three foul uh that foul on the three-point play late there like it's just, I don't know. I feel like no matter how you try to tilt it defensively, the Nets will figure it out and try to attack and, and still hurt you either way. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Kawhi finished with 33 points, five rebounds, five assists, went one for five from three. Paul George poured in 26.6 assists, still upset he didn't get enough free throws. Nicholas Batum added 21 points, going five or eight from three. Thought he was pretty solid tonight. Like you said, KD, 28-9, super efficient. Harden with the triple-double. Kyrie Irving finishing with 39. And the Nets as a team, Mike, shot 57% from the field. Like, you're going to win that game. (sighs) Yeah. You know what kind of jumped out at me, though? Uh, Luke Kennard, four minutes. uh, 0-2 from the field. Just hard. He can't card, man. It just gets tough. I mean, they're paying the guy. They're paying him sixteen million dollars whenever that contract kicks in. It's just it's four tough. mil a minute. I'd like that money. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get it for this podcast? Let's stretch it out a little bit. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Celtics 111, Golden State 107 in San Francisco. No James Wiseman for the Warriors. They lose Kevon Looney in the second quarter of this game when he rolls his ankle. For the Celtics, no Marcus Smart. You know, game was tied at 96. It was a close game, Mike. It was tied at 96. At six minutes left, Celtics rip off a 10-0 run. And I just kind of want to run through real quickly those 10 points because I thought it was pretty impressive. Grant Williams gets a putback layup. Then on the other end, stuffs a Kelly Oubre dunk. It looked like Oubre was going for the poster. Didn't get it. Williams comes up with the big block, kicks it out, turns leads to a Kemba Walker transition three. Then Jalen Brown scores off of a putback. Then Jalen Brown forces another turnover off of Kelly Oubre, turns into a big Jalen Brown dunk, and it kind of was over after that. I think this the Warriors made it a little bit closer, but it never got to the point where I felt like, man, they're just going to take over this game. Like, what's going on, Mike? <laughs> I think it kind of just shows the limitations of this Warriors team, right? Like, I love watching Steph do his thing. I love Steph and Draymond trying to rekindle their magic, but, like, they just need help. Like, Kelly Oubre, not cutting it. Andrew Wiggins, uh, what was he, one of eight from three. You need firepower to fight firepower, and, like, they just don't have it. It just comes up at the worst moments for them. And it was really interesting, the the Kelly Oubre stuff, just because he didn't play in the crunch time. Right. Like, I think after that segment, you know, they Steve Kerr called a timeout and that was it for Kelly the rest of that night. Like he just wasn't on the court. And, you know, they had you know, they had a good game from Juan Toscano Anderson. And I struggle to say that name. So I have to say it slowly <laughs> every time I try to say it. Um, but like, you know, they got a good night from him. So he was out on the court in crunch time. They had Kent Bazemore who was out on the court. Obviously, Draymond Green, Wiggins, and Curry. And I just feel bad because Curry's going nuts. Triple-double, 38 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists, or almost a triple-double. See, math, just not my thing, Mike. Sometimes, you know, it's close enough. I want to give it to him, but he didn't get there. It was just really kind of tough to see the Warriors sort of struggle in this game and and during that run you just felt the soul taken from them yeah I, I mean that's the thing like I they have to find a way to like be able to I, I don't want to use the cliche but like to drive energy and create momentum that doesn't have to do with Steph Curry just nailing threes and doing stuff like that uh, and I know that's a like a very hackneyed uh, old school like newspaper columnist type of opinion but it just sometimes feels true from like a night to night basis during the, during the regular season. And like Juan Toscano Anderson, I thought he gave him pretty good minutes. What do you have? 16 points off the bench, six of nine um, from the field. He hit all of his threes. Uh, they just they just need more guys. They just need more and better players uh, to come in in waves behind behind Steph, basically. Yeah, and I think some of that's coming back to just. Not being successful late in the draft over the years has come back to bite them a little bit. And I think that's just the the way it works out for them. One thing to note, too, for Curry, he broke the 17,000-point mark. That's 
still very impressive. Also impressive is <laughs> is it? Well, yeah. I mean, at least to me, then I guess I didn't know that was a number we cared about until they showed the graphic. I'm sorry. Okay, Mike. I guess uh, okay. Mike's not impressed, folks. Seventeen thousand. <laughs> not a lot of points to working off. A lot to me though. And uh, the other thing I found interesting was still just second in the franchise because I kind of had forgotten that Wilt Chamberlain played for that team. <laughs> and average 50. Yeah. <laughs> average 50 a game in a season. So, you know, uh, Steph's got a little ways to go to catch uh, Wilt the Stilt, but uh, he'll probably get there if he, he, he plays long enough. But let's flip it over now to the Celtics because, Mike, they desperately needed this win. They've lost five of their last seven coming into this game. Kemba looked rough in their game against the Lakers like this was an important game for them just to kind of get it going and starting on that west coast swing what'd you see from them yeah I mean it wasn't efficient um the three-point numbers kind of look good in the end and Kemba hit a late three there that I think kind of made up his night a little bit everything got going is you know it it all comes down to really just Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown now I think they need those two guys to play well uh, to beat the good teams, and as you re- you you mentioned, reading off how that uh, that 10-0 run late happened, it was Jalen Brown creating and doing stuff, and uh, Tatum finished with t- 27 points and nine to 19 from the floor, and it's just you know it's just so fun to watch those two be the generators of this team now, more so than I think uh, Kemba, even though he is back, and just watching how they dominate when they're on. Yeah, and for me, like, look, Kemba's coming back from the injury. It's I think this was his seventh game back. This is going to take time, and especially with no practices. I, I got to imagine they're limiting how much uh, physical therapy he could do with the trainers and, and whatnot in, in this COVID pandemic time. So, you know, it, it might even take a little longer for him to kind of look fully back. But there were times, too, in this game, even though it wasn't efficient, he would do some stuff, and I'm like, that's the Kemba the Celtics are going to need. Because here's the thing. They're desperately going to need him, you know, come down the stretch mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Like, it can't just be – Tatum and Brown, as great as they are, they they are going to need him to be that third guy, and I think that's going to be a real important thing for them moving forward. But you know, the other guy that really impressed me was just Grant Williams. I thought he was awesome off the bench for them tonight. You know, fifteen points. You know, not a ton of rebounds, just four, but it felt like he was kind of always in the right position. Yeah, and the, and the two blocks, including the big one on Ubre there. Um, I just I love watching him play. Um, he's just like a little spark plug at center that they just <laughs> pop in and he like makes everything happen and work for them. And, um, I'm still a little confused by trying to make Daniel Tice and Tristan Thompson happen at the same time in the starting lineup, but I'm not a basketball genius like Brad Stevens. So who am I to say anything? No, no, no you're not wrong uh, on that. I, you're not wrong on that. I'm with you on that. That doesn't make any sense. Now, part of it, I understand because of injuries and things like that. And now, you know, Marcus Smart's going to be out for a little bit, but man, Tristan Thompson has not been very good for this team this year. Yeah, maybe because he's probably playing out of position when he starts. I don't know. Like, could that be part <laughs> yeah, of it? Probably. That probably. That's not part of it. That's probably it. You know. Um, I think you're onto something there, uh, Mr. Vorkanoff. I think you're 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 right up there. So why don't you fire that up to President Stevens and let's see how that goes. <laughs> I'll send the singing telegram to him. We'll see what he says. What would be the song? Like, what was the style of the song? Is it going to be like a barbershop quartet? Is it, you know, if you're going to send a singing telegram, I need to know what's the the style of music that's coming that way. Yeah, I think it's probably something from the 50s or 60s, something you can do acapella, you know, something catchy. So it really just rings in his head all day long. 
uh, you know, kind of you get that earworm and it just keeps going. Good. So any listeners who want to take a shot at it, send it directly to Mike. I don't need to hear any of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like I said, Jason Tatum, 27 points, nine rebounds. Kemba Walker finished with 19 points, seven rebounds, five assists. Jalen Brown had 18 points, 10 rebounds. Curry, again, almost triple-double, 38 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists. Juan Toscano-Anderson had 16 points. Wiggins even went 1 for 8 from 3. I mean, they're just going to need more from him. He can't go 1 from 8 from 3. At least go 2 for 8. Like, just, just get close. Um, he scored 15 points in this loss. Uh, just a tough one for the Warriors. He dropped to 11 and 10, and then, you know, this is kind of who the Warriors are this year. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. NBA's tightening their, continuing to tighten their COVID protocols. They're going to be, they're going to require players and staff in the first two layers of the arena to wear KN95 or KF94 masks. Never heard of the KF94 masks. I can't wait to see what that looks like uh, on the bench in an effort to tighten up their protocols. The Hawks concluded their investigations of the fans who caused a ruckus at their game against the Lakers. No punishments were given out. Any opinions on that, Mike? Yeah, I mean, if the NBA is going to make the players and the staff who are in the first two layers of the arena wear these KN95 masks, do the courtside Karens have to wear them too? Like, yo, I don't know. Just why are they courtside? <laughs> I have no, I, none of this makes sense to me. It just, I it, look, I'm not an epidemiologist, I'm not a health expert, but sometimes it's just hard figuring out what's necessary and what's just safety theater. And it seems like having courtside fans screaming at you with their mask off. I don't know. 
they can't players can't leave their rooms in the hotel, but uh, yeah, they can have fans ten feet away from them during the game. Yeah, sure, that was that was definitely a awkward situation. And speaking of fans in arenas, the Phoenix Suns announced that they will begin to have begin to have a reduced number of fans into their games. They are joining nine other teams, so that's ten NBA teams now that are going to have a reduced number of fans. They're not selling it out or anything like that, but still. That we'll see if any of them are going to be courtside and if we'll have any more fireworks from the Phoenix Suns games. Uh, <laughs> Joel Embiid and Nikolai Jokic were both named Players of the Month for their conferences. Mike, you had an interesting thought about this when we uh, before we got started. What was your opinion? Yeah, I found like this SI cover from 1988 uh, with the big headline, "The Vanishing Center." Right. Uh, that was right at the tail end of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's career. And, you know, what are we, 32 years ago, SI declares, there goes the center position. I feel like we were in that tailspin a little bit, too. And here is this, what seems like is emerging as a great year for centers all over again with Jokic and Embiid and Rudy Gobert. And like, I don't know. I, it's just fun. It's fun to see the, the center position be reimagined and kind of, uh, I don't know. Doing pretty well again. Jokic, I mean, I don't know if he's a he's a big dude who does stuff, but Embiid at least is like a, is a center. That's on his business card. Hi, I'm Nikolai Jokic. <laughs> I'm a big dude that does stuff. Um, no, you're right, and I think some of this is cyclical. You know, I think there are times where you know, look, if they're having this conversation when Kareem <laughs> towards the end of Kareem, Kareem, Kareem's run. Just think about the centers that we've had since then. I mean, we had Hakeem Olajuwon, Shaquille O'Neal, Patrick Ewing, uh, uh, Tim Duncan was center slash power forward. Depends who you ask. David Robinson. I mean, we've just had so many, and I'm sure there. Are a million others who I've forgotten, and I'm sure Twitter will make sure I know all of their names by the end of this day. Uh, but just kind of interesting in that sense. But I think it always is kind of cyclical. I kind of get worried when we go, this position's, you know, changing. It's it's evolving. I don't know if they're ever going to die yeah. out. Uh, also, LaMelo Ball and Tyrese Halliburton named Rookies of the Month. Good for them. Coaches of the Month were Quinn Snyder of the Utah Jazz and Doc Rivers of the Philadelphia 76ers. Now on to the other games from Tuesday night. Raptors 123, Magic 108 in Orlando. Fred Van Vliet went off, Mike. I don't know if you heard. It was pretty quiet. Not not a lot of people know this, but he uh, he lit the place up for 54 points. I mean, he might still be on fire the morning after. He breaks the Raptors franchise record held by DeMar DeRozan. Great tweet from DeMar DeRozan. I'm going to read for you. Congrats, congrats to my brother, Freddie V. Kyle old ass couldn't do it. Glad you did, champ. Been telling you. I just wanted to say Kyle old ass. I just thought that was pretty funny. And that was a great tweet from <laughs> from DeMar. Uh, also the highest score from an undrafted player since Moses Malone scored 53 points on, this part's kind of weird and a little bit odd, February 2nd, 1982. It was the same day just several years ago. I just don't want to do the math in my head of how many years ago. I think it's 38. Uh Mike, happy undrafted 50-point score a day. Yeah, that, I guess that's that's every February 2nd, you know, 38 years from now, whoever went undrafted at some point is going to drop 55. That's just, I think, the way we're going to get there if we get 38 years more of this earth. What, Mike, <laughs> that was it was nuts. He went ballistic. Yeah, and I don't know if we're going to get 38 more years of this earth. That's the big question I'm leaving with uh, from this podcast. Yeah, very- it, it was crazy. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know. Fred Van Vliet, man, uh, 11 threes. I, I think the Raptors are due for, uh, for a big run uh, and uh, some regression to the mean for them a little bit. And, and uh, I don't know what you say after 54 points. Yeah, why couldn't, you, why couldn't you get 55? He wanted 11 of 14. What happened to the other three threes, huh? What's up with that, Fred? <laughs> Couldn't knock those down? Blazers 132, Wizards 121 in D.C. Dame finished with 32 points, and the Wizards, and the Wizards wasted another 37-point effort from Bradley Beal. I just feel bad. I uh, it just, it seems like it's a there's like a clock ticking to something there uh, with Bradley Beal. Or although I don't even know I don't I don't know if that's fair anymore that we have to expect that every star to just ultimately want out right. Well, away. I believe you know uh, either Fred Katz or uh, Sham Sharanian reported that you know he doesn't want to be traded. He wants to try to win with this team. Check out the Tampering podcast because I know Fred got into it there with Sam Amick and Anthony Slater. They definitely touched on that. Pacers 134, Grizzlies 116 in Indiana. Pacers snapped the Grizzlies six-game win streak behind a monster 32-point game from DeMontis Sabonis. Jazz 117, Pistons 105. This one looked like it was sealed, like massive blowout, and the Pistons made a run at the end. Jeremy Grant had 27 points, but it was not enough to counteract Donovan Mitchell's 32 points. That's going to do it for today's show. Don't forget about the other basketball shows across the Athletic Podcast Network. We still have your favorite shows like the Athletic NBA show, No Dunks, House of Strauss, plus over a dozen team-specific shows available from some of your favorite athletic beat writers. Don't forget to follow on the app to get notifications for new episodes and utilize the podcast episode comment section to yell at Mike or tell him what song, how you want this singing telegram to go to Brad Stevens. And if you're not a member of The Athletic, you're in luck. You can get all of our podcasts ad-free plus some fantastic writing across all major sports, especially Mike's, all for a super low price. Get a subscription today at theathletic.com slash daily ding. You never know when these promos are going to end, so get there soon. Thanks for waking up with us, folks. Please, please, please wear a mask if you got to go outside. Stay safe out there, and Mike, send us home. Ding, ding. <laughs>